Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What is up? I'm your host, Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. This week, I'm joined in our studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn, by the one, the only... Oh, me? You. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm Nick Dawson, Editor-in-Chief of Talk House. I am technically present in the room. Nick, I have been so excited to share this episode with our listeners. There are two guests on here. One that's been on the show a few times, who is maybe one of the funniest men alive, Chris Gethard. The other, who I've been a fan of for a long time and is joining us for the very first time, Maria Bamford. Very, very exciting to have these two together. We got to hang out with them at uh, the Hilton Garden Inn. So life achievement unlocked. I was so happy to have them talk together. Maria has a new show on the streaming service topic called What's Your Ailment, which is sort of about comedy and, and mental health. And it was just really fantastic to get the two of them together as they're such a perfect pairing in a way. Two comedians who have really, in their work, talked very openly and very funnily about their struggles with mental health issues. Yeah, these two comedians have really centered their work in examining their own mental health and making that relatable and, in fact, helpful to their legions of fans. This episode marks Chris Gethard's fourth appearance on the show. He's previously been on the show with Tim Heidecker, Todd Berry, and Mel Blum. Yeah, a good time was had uh, on all those episodes. It's, it's always great to have Chris on. And, and of course, you know him from Broad City, his HBO special career, Suicide. He's written a couple of books, the Chris Gethard show. He's, he's everywhere. And uh, most recently, he's started a, a new open access show called Chris Gethard's Presents on MNN. And he's playing Toby in uh, Aquafina is Nora from Queens. I'm still not used to the title Aquafina is Nora from Queens. It just, <laughs> isn't it's the designed Aquafina to is, not roll off the tongue. Right. Isn't the Aquafina is just supposed to be for the subway poster part? No, no it's actually the name of the show. <laughs> no, I know. Longtime fan of Chris Gethard. Also longtime fan of Maria Bamford. I just adored the shows that she uploaded to the internet that became the Maria Bamford show. That was later turned into the series Lady Dynamite on Netflix with a much higher production budget. I would say about a million times the production budget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and of course she has a, not only a fantastic sense of humor and, and very unusual sense of humor, but a great voice. And, she's, uh, and she does the voice on this show, Nick. She, she does. does the Maria Bamford voice. I couldn't believe it when it's it happened. wonderful. Yeah, but I mean, she's done uh, voice work on American Dad, Adventure Time, BoJack Horseman, and has guested on uh, shows like Louie and Arrested Development. And, you know, she's just like one of those comedy institutions in a way. She's like a complete original and having her talk to Gethard was kind of uh, just like one of those dream pairings. It really was. And can I just say something that I don't usually talk about on the show about what people are like in person? I wasn't sure what to expect from Maria Bamford because it's like she's always playing this Maria Bamford character. I was wrong, Nick Dawson. That is Maria Bamford. Maria Bamford is Maria Bamford, as you all will see on this show. And she is just as quirky and funny and sweet as you would think. Yeah. And... More shocking stuff. You'll be shocked to hear that they talked about mental health stuff. And we're very funny about it. Yeah, just like in their comedy, they're willing to get vulnerable here and somehow make us laugh so hard we're crying. Yeah, I kind of broke my cardinal rule of not laughing out loud during a recording. <laughs> well, I mean, look, we're used to Maria Bamford doing full comedy specials just for her mom and dad. You, you, you thought that this was the Hilton Garden Inn tour stop. 
as you mentioned, they get into a lot of stuff around mental health, running out of prescription meds, bad or, quote, unconventional shrinks. Yeah, Chris has amazing stories about his, his <laughs> therapist. And also the toll that speaking about mental health issues in their work can take, especially when they have fans talking about some really intense stuff that they then take home with them. Yeah, yeah, that's... Not it. the fans. They're not taking the fans home. <laughs> no, that's, that, that was a different tour. <laughs> they also discuss at length their dreams of quitting comedy. Yeah, it's funny because this is also a topic that came up in the Jonah Ray, Felicia Day podcast where they were both fantasizing about quitting. And I I guess, you know, comedy's a tough life, you know, like traveling around everywhere, staying sure in is. shitty hotel rooms and, and not seeing your family for years and dealing with hecklers and all this kind of thing. But they have some pretty good ideas of things that they might do. They also get into what comedians really talk about with each other. Essential topic there. They also talk about comedy that makes a difference, that, that is helpful to people. But don't think this is all about saving people. Nope. Because they also cover spritzing ejaculate, <laughs> awful tweets after appearing on dude comedy shows, and the queen of mean herself becoming a life coach. Let's play the tape, shall we? Let's do it. It's just a freewheeling... <laughs> Anything goes chat. Oh, I love it. Okay, between good. two notorious uh, <laughs> pistols of yeah, human beings. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Um, you had no little, uh, yeah. Well, uh, sometimes I can't make eye contact. Please oh, don't I'm take that personally. Okay. I'm the same exact way. I think we're on the same page. <laughs> Are we, have we begun? Oh, we've begun. Okay. Um, yes. Well, I wanted to ask you something. Yes, please. If that's because I watched, I watched the Jen Kirkman episode oh. of your series. Yes. I was very impressed. Thank God. As always. Very impressed by what you're doing. But I wanted to ask, because I know that when I've spoken about uh, mental health stuff, I feel like when you do that, very often you, you put yourself in a position where you're taking care of others. So I just wanted to ask how you're doing. Because I don't know if your experience... Sometimes I find that when I talk most openly about it or sort of make that the tip of the spear and what I'm talking about, it means I feel like I'm taking care of everyone else. And very often nobody asks me how I'm doing. So how are you doing? Oh, well, that's very gracious of you. I... I'm doing okay. I just had a cold brew, which my husband says really amps me up a lot. Um, uh -huh, uh -huh. But I get I get anxious. I think insecurity about show business, but that my mind doesn't work as fast as it does when I used to not be on on meds. So that that's how I'm doing in terms of that. And then I have a show coming up in Vancouver. And that's when I start to get these dark feelings of like, it's, oh boy, this is going to be a real shitstorm, Bamford. Because I haven't done a show in a while, stand-up show. So, uh, yeah, have the um, light anxiety or some thoughts about that. I have some curiosity about those thoughts. But otherwise, am doing okay. Thank you very much, I think. That's great to hear. Uh, <laughs> how about yourself? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I, uh, in general, my life is pretty great. Mm. I will say I have a, a, a nine-month-old at home, <gasps> which is really exciting. But it does, you know, in very cliche fashion, it messes with your sleep. Mm. So this mm. is like the third night in a row where I think I got like five and a half hours last night, and that's the most I've gotten all week. And I think, as you, I, I'm sure you would agree, like, yes. it's, that's... I know that my mental health stuff is flaring up when I can't sleep. And then conversely, it's like, oh, now I can't sleep for a different reason. But that also, I'm just like, exhaustion means the bottom could fall out. So I just have to be careful of that. But very good overall. Yeah, yeah. I can relate with that. Like, I, yeah, because we traveled here. I live in LA. We're in New York. And uh, yeah, my sleep gets a little screwed up. I also 
ran out of my prescription, which uh, turns uh, the worst. which it turned out I uh, was able to find some in my purse. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and but I went to CVS last night, and they, I thought they had called it in, but they hadn't called it in. And uh, you know how it is. It, what's so interesting about psychiatrists' office? They say um, it is not an emergency to get a prescription refill, and I'm like, isn't it though? I mean. Yeah. Kind of, isn't it? The, every psychiatrist I've ever had has said, you know, uh, yeah, uh, wait until the next business day to get your prescription refilled. If, if like, let's say you've lost it or because I'm traveling a lot and I've, I've uh, misplaced it before so or forgotten it. So, I mean, not to be a huge pain in the ass, but I always think, well, isn't that the whole thing that you got to stay on the... Right. Uh, and you would think to you, say, hey, whatever science you've researched, for these particular drugs, can we just uh, maybe also note that it's a good security blanket yeah. that I don't want to go without? <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. the idea that that's not in my medicine cabinet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Whether or not I would survive another day without it is maybe a moot point compared to the fact that I'm going to spend that day freaking out and unhappy. Yeah, or, or I know that I, without my meds, I can't sleep. I, so right. like, Which I start to have a lot of great ideas uh, when I can't sleep, which yeah. that can be fun. Uh-huh. But uh, do you have any side effects from your current medications that uh, uh, really bum you out? Or Well, I, I do feel like... I had I had much worse side effects when I first went on them. I mean, that was I first went on them in two thousand three, which I think side effects back then were worse in general. Sure. But I ha- I was like on one where you couldn't lose weight, and they told me like really be careful with how you eat, and I just disregarded that. Yeah. And then it was that loop of like, well, I feel better, but then I'm looking in the mirror and now I don't feel better, <laughs> and there were sexual side effects. Oh no. And I was on an antipsychotic for a while that had. I talked about this in my HBO special. I, it's very early in the morning. I don't know how graphic you want me to be. Uh, no, I'm down. It made my ejaculate come out like uh, small spritz of water. Oh! And it was, I was 23 or 24 at the time. And I think like, especially when you're like a young male who grew up in New Jersey, there's like, and you're, and you're already admitting like vulnerability and yes. weakness for the first time. Like you don't necessarily want like more masculinity issues. No, yeah, no, but no, no, no. My current cocktail has been very... Uh, smooth and easy going. Although I will say like my hairline has always looked crazy and now it's retreating at a record pace. <laughs> and I have read that Wellbutrin can contribute to that. But I've also been on Wellbutrin off and on for 15 years. So I might just be balding. But I sometimes wonder if I switch drugs, would the hair growth come back a little bit? Yeah. But then I'm also like, well, that's just vanity and ego. And do I really want to mess with drugs that are working just so I can feel like a little slightly less insecure about something that I'll get used to, you know? Yeah, or would it just be something else on another yeah. medication? Yeah, I've, I've had people, I have a bit of a tremor on my meds and then I had some weight gain. I used to be super wiry, super wiry, tiny little lady, which can be a very <laughs> empowering, uh, you can jump around um, and... Uh, yeah, but and so I've had some people. I'm sure you get people through the internet going. You know what I've tried? You know what? you've got to try. You know whatever it is, uh, 
date and granola balls um, uh, <laughs> with a side of Lamictal. And uh, Lamictal and Wellbutrin, that's my uh, oh, really? that's my moves. Yeah, yeah. Lamictal, yeah. Yeah, Lamictal somehow did not uh, work for me, but I, yeah, I, I'm feeling been feeling good the past several years, so I don't I don't want to change anything. Yeah, I, don't, no I don't care. I don't care. No way. Um, but uh, do you um, do you go to therapy? And if you do, does it cost a crap I, ton of money? I do. I'm in a very interesting situation where, <laughs> and again, I talked about this very publicly, so I'm sure she won't mind. I have been with a shrink from, so let's see, 2002, came out of college and finally was like, something's really wrong. Yeah. And uh, got treatment, got on Depakote, Wilbutrin, and Risperdal, heavy-duty stuff. I was out there coming water, putting on weight. <laughs> and uh, then I moved to L.A. I lived in L.A. for four or five months in 2004. Oh, I was working gosh. on a show that Matt Besser sold oh, yes. to Comedy Central. So I was out there, and I ran into a situation like we were talking about before where um, my shrink back home in New Jersey, because I'd been living in New Jersey until I moved to L.A., I had explained the whole thing to him. I'm going to be in L.A. for three months. And he prescribed me three months' worth of medication. And then I got out there, and the job got extended to a fourth month. And I started calling him, and he just wasn't calling me back. And when I finally got in touch with him, he's very, very uh, sort of like stern and told me he wouldn't prescribe more over the phone. And it had taken me like a full week to even get a call back from him. So I went to a doctor in LA who, someone, a coworker of mine was like, just go see my guy. He prescribed me. Mm-hmm. And that scared me really bad and made me feel like, wow, I, I can't be reliant on something. I can't feel reliant on a thing that could be taken away that easily. Yeah. These people didn't protect me. So then I went off meds um, oh, and for about three or four years, and then as my career started to develop, I, got, I wound up, you know, as we all do in some situations where I was coming really close to stuff and not getting it, which now I look back on and realize, oh, when you're 26 and 27, it's actually a very exciting place to be, yeah, to yeah. be finally coming close. And I was a guest writer at SNL for two weeks and then I didn't oh get God. the job. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't get the job. And as we all do, both as artists and people whose brains are built like you and I, yeah. I assumed everything was over and I had blown my chance and it just created this downward spiral. And I wound up back in therapy with a doctor who is, I would say, and she would admit, probably does not play by all the rules as a, med- as a medical school would encourage one to. What is she using? Sock puppets? What's going on? No sock puppets, <laughs> but like, like, will, like, <laughs> like, what's some stuff she's done recently? I'm trying to think. Like, I've t- like in my special, I talk about how she at one point like kept encouraging me to go see a numerologist who was like no! an astrologer. You know, like, a, like no! basically, like, like I'm like that's not science. And no. she's like, but it can really supplement. And I had to be like, that's not for me. That's yeah, not like I know a ton about her personal life. I've been to her house. Like. Oh! She's met my dad. She once saw me in a show at UCB in New York and she lived in New Jersey and my parents were at the show too and my shrink had had a bad back and was going to take a bus back to Jersey and instead was like, hey, uh, like met my parents and was like, can I get a ride home? So she got a ride home from my parents without me in the car. Like things where 90% of people would be like flee for the hills. But one of the points I really tried to make 
because I realized like as I was working on like telling the stories from the, from this stuff more and more publicly, and it was building into this show that I wound up doing, I started to realize like ultimately the show is about my relationship with her. And one of the big points I tried to make is like for a lot of people, her behavior would be concerning and they wouldn't want to be a part of it. But for me, it turns out that that works and I'm far more comfortable with feeling like it's that type of relationship despite whatever the medical recommendation is or whatever medical skill says. Like at the end of the day, there was also a night where I was standing on a cliff in New Jersey and called her and she picked up the phone right away. She picked up the phone. So one of the points I make in, in my show is like, when I was in LA and that guy wouldn't call me back and then wouldn't prescribe, well, that's what medical school tells you to do. And for some people, I'm sure they feel really safe in those standards, but I felt the opposite of safe. And with her, like she'll, she once gave me a futon and me and my dad went and picked up a futon from her house. Like that's not how they would tell you to do it. Medical school, go to your shrinks house with your dad and then sleep on her furniture. (laughs) But she picked up the phone. So still with her. Yeah. That's wonderful. 13 I, years now. 13 years. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it sounds wonderful. It sounds great what you've got. That's great. It's pretty all right. So okay. she char- the, the less frequently she sees me, she charges me a little bit more to oh, kind of make up the difference, yeah. which I think is fair. It's like a sliding thing. I pay, yeah, I pay my current therapist who I met in, um, she was an outpatient therapist at, uh, I did like a, 10-week program, which you do after you're hospitalized. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I did it twice, got two certifications, and I completed it. Thank you very much. (laughs) And (laughs) everyone signed it, so it's it's real. Um, But she, yeah, she took insurance, and then she went off insurance, so now she's 180 bucks. 180 bucks a Can you get any of it reimbursed? I can, but it is so complicated. The paperwork... I had to use an entire therapy session to fill out the fucking paperwork. So you're paying her money to get some of the money back that you're paying her for the process of trying to figure out how to get the money back. Yeah. That's a nightmare. Yeah, ridiculous. I, I hate to say it, but I, for years, probably about 10 years, I was aware I could be getting money back because my therapist is also out of pocket and I just went through that and didn't bother for 10 years. Just spent more money. And also then when you call call the the health care provider, my insurance, they're ridiculous. And I you know, I don't want to have some yeah, it's just very, very stressful. Um yeah, and also I can afford it, which is um We're blessed. I, I'm not yeah, yeah, that is my answer to a lot of things is to throw throw money at it. But then what that does is it creates a false engine of me having to do more work, you know, thinking like, Oh, yes. I gotta keep making money. The constant fear. And it's like, no, you don't. Dude, if you yeah, paid more attention to your your finances or could f- figure out the paperwork, maybe you wouldn't have to um do go bananas in Cincinnati. That has not booked me. <laughs> I'm in that place right now. I'm in that exact place right now. Because I have, a, well, I will say this. I, this is going to make me sound like fancy and a spoiled entertainment person. And I am. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. Well, we're here in a Hampton Inn. Or oh, is it, oh, wait a minute. It's a Hilton Garden Inn. Look uh, excuse that. me. Yes. 
Is that better or worse than the Hampton? Hilton Garden is much better than a Hampton. I got it. Well, depends on what you enjoy. Hampers are always very, uh, like, it's always the same experience. Hilton Garden, you kind of makes it, it's always a little fancy. They got a little restaurant place. So I don't know. I, I, I enjoy them both. They both get Hilton Honors points. This just went from like the mental health conversation to classic stand up. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I love it. Like <laughs> so that's sorry. The, people, well, so people, I feel like have this thing. I, I've been doing a lot of like uh, jujitsu to work out because I love it. And these guys are like these tough fighter kids. Will be like, you're a stand up. Oh man, tell me all about it. And it's like, really, what we talk about is quality of hotels. <laughs> Endless talk about frequent flyer programs, <laughs> like like no, no. it's that's it's all just like logistics and trying to get through. It. And then you know stories about which clubs have weird people working there. Yeah. Merch, yes, merch, or merch, which, yes. Which uh, which, which clubs have gotten better or worse over the years? Oh, uh, do you? This is a question of my own. Uh, curiosity, mm-hmm. um, because I think about it. I, I I've thought about it my entire life. It's uh, it which is doing something else. I always think of other jobs. Oh, I'm so glad we're talking. About it. I'm in a phase right now where I am. I really would love to quit comedy more than I've I ever. Five, five, I've never <laughs> more more so. I mean, because I you know I started at UCB when I was 20, and I turned 40 in a couple months. Yeah. It's it's like over half my life, and I have a son now. And there's always that nagging question of like, why, why keep doing this? But then there's also that thing of like, well, I don't know what else I could ever do. It's not like my resume is going to stand up to any test. I don't know about that though. Like I I think about it, like I I just did some volunteer work at a local uh, environmental group and I can, I can file and clean just as well as any of those scamps. Um, uh-huh. I can clean a bathroom. They need me. Um, yeah, and I think, well, uh, anyways, I like I like to always have uh, options, but uh, but the problem is, is I've created a machine where I need to make a certain amount of money yeah. to keep going, and it's like, which is totally a lie and some sort of um, perception that isn't true. Like I, I could definitely lower, we could lower our expenses, and uh, I could uh, go to grad school. We're fine. We're fine. But, um, or I wouldn't even have to go to grad school. This is like my internal monologue every day for the past six months. Like what you're saying out loud is the constant loop (laughs) of me being like, what's the exit strategy? I'll be fine. Don't chase the money. Yeah, don't chase money. Yeah, yeah. Like I had a couple years that were really great, but I don't need to, this, this thing that I think is a very American instinct of like, you have to make more than last year, every year. I don't want to fall into, what you're saying is my, is my monologue. Yeah. And I think, well, like I, I, I'm interested in other things. Like I think, okay, I'd like to, I like writing. I think, oh, maybe I could do that. But I also, the, the feeling useful, I think that's a human need to feel useful. And especially with the comedy boom, it's, it's odd. Like, the special is so not special; it's become ubiquitous. Yes, <laughs> so it's like I've had that. <laughs> so oh, it's like I wish, <laughs> the only time I ever wish I lived in LA is when I have individual conversations like this with people like you, where I'm like, "Oh, if I had been in LA for years, I understand who my my allies slash friends would have been." Oh, that's the only thing. Because I'm like, this is the conversation I have in my head all the time. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I, the things that I felt useful you know, extremely useful doing, you know, which is, I felt good talking about mental health issues because mm-hmm. that did, 
But as an intention-getting thing, as a thing like like uh, with this What's Your Ailment uh, program, like to have to promote it, I go, oh, yeah, no, 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 I don't, oh, no, no, thanks. Like, I I really like the idea of like if people find it, that's awesome, uh, but I don't. I don't want to force people to watch another thing. Why don't you look into the eyes of your loved one? You right, know, uh, right. stare at a wall. Walls right. are take interesting when you take, you know. Remember what trees Sorry. are. <laughs> wind feels like on your skin and sun. <laughs> Lay down in the dirt face first and snort. Cause, and also I, I think about my own mental health and go, well, is it good for me to feel like um, the only reason I have value is because I receive attention. Right. And uh, that, that uh, yeah, that's a concern. Uh, but I, I've also, I was a secretary for 10 years and I know what it's like to not receive attention or, yeah. um, or and I think everybody knows what that's like uh, if you've ever had a, a job. So I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard to say, but, but, but I like thinking that there's freedom, that I'm not trapped, that I am making a decision to be in this job and um, to continue doing work on it, that it's a choice. Yes. Um, because, yeah, I'm s- smart enough. I've worked in all sorts of jobs. Um, if I'm not very good at this job, uh, I could be not very good at some other ones too. Yeah. I also am well aware. It's funny because I have all these like existential thoughts, but I'm also well aware that when I started this, I never would have dreamed that I could have taken it this far. Yeah. no. And I'm so appreciative of that. And I got to live my dream. And and the large majority of people can't say that. And uh, there's also this idea that like, like it's romanticized that how hard comedy is and and it's not easy and you have to hustle but i also know that there's like coal miners dying of black lung you well, know like there's people who get up and go 9 to 5 every single day the people here who are here with us right now who are having to listen to this and uh you know like there's anything besides inertia is a pain, is painful or there's a reason there is inertia is cuz it's painful to move at all uh nobody wants to move around yeah at least i don't some people do what never gets old is when someone comes up and goes, and I'm sure you've seen this too, and someone goes like, you know, like, my brother was hospitalized and I never understood. And some of the stuff you've put out has helped me see maybe what was going on with him more than he's ever been able to verbalize. Or even sadder ones where I've had a few people tell me, you know, I lost a child to suicide. And it, Obviously, that's a thing that will never heal for a parent, for them to say it was really someone who saw my show live off Broadway, someone who I knew and did not know that about them, Aww. who told me that. And it was, it was, I don't want to reveal too much, but it was someone who I had worked with who hadn't totally been a fan of working with me, which oh, happens sometimes. Yeah, no. <sighs> and Unfortunately. Who, and where I was, I was even surprised to see them there. And then they told me the reason I came was I, I, I heard what your show is about. And they told me they'd lost a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and to hear someone say, you know, because when, when people kind of go off the grid uh, in terms of their mental state, mm-hmm. part of what's so hard for people who haven't dealt with it is that there's no logic to it. Mm, so yeah. the logic and the emotions do not match. I can be logically aware that what I'm thinking isn't real. It doesn't change the fact that emotionally I am terrified of this thing. That I can I can take a step back and go, I know that's not real, but 
I'm also still going to curl up in my bed and put the covers over my head because I'm scared of it. Yeah. And that's a thing that it's really hard to explain to someone who hasn't been in there. And to hear someone say, I lost someone in my life and to hear people speak openly about it allows me to understand the foundation that they were, like that shifting foundation that they were dealing with. To hear some people say that that's given them a little bit of peace of mind, like that always makes me feel like, all right, yes, yes, yes. That's why I made it. Seeing people who go, I am an immense amount of pain and I want you to know about it is that double-edged sword of like, this is so flattering and I'm so happy I helped. And also, I guess I'm just going to go back to my room in Atlanta now and think about this. Like, that's the tough part, you know? Well, that's when you have to get into TLC programming. Um, have you watched <laughs> Dr. Pipple Popper? So good. Oh, my God. Such a release on so many levels. Is that is I, that your preferred oh, channel? I God. like a good documentary. Post-stand-up show, I like a good uh, Discovery Channel nature documentary, especially if it's about like, chimps attacking humans or something. Like I like a good dark nature documentary. Yeah, just sit and think about the pain of my own fan base while I watch monkeys dare men limb to limb, limb for limb. But, but also like I'm a fan of or have gotten a lot of help from other people who have talked about whatever uh, mental health experience um, they've had. Uh, Kay Redfield Jameson or um, Mari Hornbacher, both uh, writers and... Uh, um, Paul who does the... Um, Mental Illness Happy Hour. Oh, yes, Paul Kilmartin. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, Very good man. And I I never, they, even though those people have helped me, and I, I, I go, if I'd met them, I'd be like, oh, my God, your book was so helpful. But I wouldn't feel like, oh, they've got to take care of it. You know, they, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. So I, I think unless somebody isn't feeling well, I, I don't think, people are expecting as much from their comedian yeah. as... <laughs> yeah, that, a, a lot of it is me projecting it and yeah. taking it on and wondering how, as someone who spent the large majority of my life hiding all of this stuff yeah. and then going so far in the opposite direction, yeah, I think some of it is much less about what they're saying to me and much more about me going... I'm still not sure if that was a good idea. So uh -huh. point being, I brought it all up to say... I am continuously impressed by your ability to like keep putting your foot on the gas and making that change and helping those people because I I have shied away from it in fear ultimately. So I'm so impressed well, by you. I think we can all agree here um, in this Hilton Garden in room, uh, room 808, that um, the arts have not changed anything to society as a whole over time, over the past centuries. I think we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. now my new thing is I feel like I want to genuinely help people in a way. <laughs> like I've, I've asked people if they could bring something for me to do. Uh, you know, so that I could do during crowd. You know, I'll clean out your purse, or I'll, <laughs> or I'll wash your glasses. Like, just s some added value oh. to this fucking entertainment cycle. You know, like <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'll add something up. Let's make a call to the IRS. Are you scared? I'm not. <laughs> It's, I will say, this is audio, but the people in the room can vouch for me. You just brought that up, and I was so tickled by it. I put my elbow on a desk, put my face on my fist, and just lovingly gazed at the idea. Just stared at you with such respect and love because oh, well, and I'm I love, so impressed. I've, well, now that I've gotten older, too, I like to boss people around. So if, if somebody 
like, you know, you think you have great <laughs> ideas. So somebody <laughs> asked me for advice. Oh, my God, I've got tons of advice. You know, tell them to do stuff. Um, yeah, no, I'm down. I'm down to help in whatever way I can, even if that means harming. Because sometimes terrible help can yes. buoy you into a new place of like, oh, my God, that was awful and useless. Yeah. And then you go, I think I know what to do. Yeah. Instead. I think that's true. <laughs> I've given, for, for some, especially, I think for like, especially for comedians in New York who come up more in the alt world or the improv world, and they see that I've kind of crossed into all different scenes. Sometimes they, people have asked me for advice, and I, I really love that. And uh, I, I, I think I, I think it, I always wanted to be a teacher growing up, and I think I still have that instinct of like, yes, 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 you're giving me a chance to help. Thank you. And I, I have given people good advice, but I think you're right. Sometimes I've given people really bad advice. Oh, some terrible advice. But that ultimately helps them just as much, right? Because they can then go, that was not for me, and yeah. I can cross that right off the list because that was a disaster. <laughs> and there's a part of me where I'm like, and you are welcome. I gave you, you three useless months of your life pursuing something that I thought was a great idea because it worked for me once in 2008. Yeah, I've given the advice of like uh, to a few people, like just get a job, any job. Um, you know, if you work full time at something, it'll energize you to do other stuff. You know, and said it very vehemently mm-hmm. and, you know, oh God, you know, uh, like I know what I'm doing. And then I believe the two people I told them, one person got a TV series within <laughs> within like the next week and they're like, I'm buying buildings now. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm so sorry. Yeah. I just You this- might want to still sign up with Apple One though. <laughs> That is the thing I think about also thinking about different jobs is it makes me realize how much I appreciate this job. But I uh, I do, yeah. What, uh, what jobs have you thought of? In a, 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 uh, it's, it's focusing more, like staying in the world of creativity and comedy, focusing more on writing, like you said. Yeah. Um, I also am very lucky that I have a podcast that, oh, right. and it was featured on This American Life, so oh, it like blew up and locked in. And I'm nice. that's that's become... To have this thing show up when I was 36 years old that became this thing that people really enjoy and it's so laid back and I love doing it and it's this safety net that I I could live off of that. Oh my God, awesome. be a massive, massive, like you said, I'd have to just take a deep breath and go, you're letting a lot of other money go and that's okay. So Mm -hmm. I've thought about just scaling it down to, I'm moving because I'm moving to the woods in New Jersey in a couple months. I'm going to build a podcast studio in the basement. Come on now. Do that from home and then figure it out. Do I want to write? Do I want to come into the city for sets? Do I want to pursue acting? How will I find insurance? Can I afford insurance if I have to go out of pocket? All these questions I have. So those are the things. And then the silly one that I literally have never told anyone, not even my wife, is that lately I've become obsessed with the idea of trying to become like a union organizer. Because I think that that's such a noble thing. And a friend of mine from college is a lawyer who is, uh, you know, the the WGA keeps managing to unionize all these like online out, uh, um, yes. outlets and stuff. And I'm so impressed by her. And she and I have talked about it on the phone. And I'm like, that's so badass. And then I, I just went and watched, have you ever seen the documentary Harlan County, USA? Mm-mm. It's about these coal miners in the 70s who went on strike. And like literally the company was sending men with guns to shoot at them. And they have documentary footage of like, cars rolling up and pointing at guns at them and like footage where you hear gunshots in the background and the camera starts spinning and everyone's running. And I'm like, man, like, and all the political talk in 2020 where I'm like, unions are badass and they're getting weak and I would love to just, uh, and, and we have cushy entertainment industry unions, but like the WGA, 
I've seen them do some good stuff. I've had SAG show up on some sets where things were bad, where I'm like, unions are cool and that would be a cool thing. Try to help some people who work gruffer lives than I do and need someone to fight for them. But that's also one of these fantasies that in three months Mm. I won't be thinking about. How about you? Well, okay. um, Yeah, uh, I guess I I, I like to be a part of a a group, a machine. Like I like to be... In the thing where I'm not the leader, yes. Um, yes. So I want somebody else, and then t- tell me what to do. So um, I th- think about like a like a like social work, like helping people, but somebody else has to help me help them. Like I just feel I feel scared that I'd say the wrong thing and yeah. fuck something up. Yeah. Um, which of, of course will happen, and. Um, Something about that. I looked into library science. I love <laughs> I love libraries. I love books. Um, yeah, my husband and I thought about um, maybe opening a bookstore or something because yeah. I do like uh, I have a, I love to read. And what else have I thought of? I thought about like definitely helpful things like a nursing assistant or something where I could learn how to flip and powder everybody and. Uh, um, they don't call it. Well, then they, they might call it that. Uh, the dream. Yeah, Living you got to keep everybody uh, dry and tight. You know, you don't want to keep those. Uh, yeah, because you know, bed sores. That is the bane. That is the bane of many's existence. You got to keep everything dry and and tight. Don't and forget tight, tight and tight and tight. And so I think about that. <laughs> Just I, and I think about t- teaching like a. In ter- but I like I always like the teachers who are just like you're doing great. Like that's all the only kind of teacher I want to be is like, oh, have you maybe have you thought of that? Oh, don't listen to me. Do what you need to do. Like I had a teacher at the Wizard of Art. His name is Paul. Paul is a wizard. He's in his late sixties. He teaches art to mostly children, but uh, the occasional adult that drops by in Los Feliz, California. I got to be one of his classes. Um, my classmates were all under the age of 12. So positive. Man, what are you doing? You doing a SpongeBob triptych? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, you are painting the heck out of that, man. Like, you could bring in anything and he'd be so psyched for you. And that's the kind of, I would like to be that kind of teacher of like, uh, that's just great job. I could, yeah, like, especially with a stand-up because I feel like, uh, I wouldn't mind. I mean, that's the only thing I know, so I could teach that. But I, I get worried because I just go. Uh, sometimes uh, it is such. A, I guess I, I wouldn't want to set anybody up for the pain I've experienced. <laughs> yes, I I taught improv for years at UCB. Oh, and I was really. It's I, I, it's one of the only things in my life I can point to and say like I really understood that how to how to say things clearly in a way like I understood how to teach that and I haven't done improv in many years but I do really miss being in an environment where there were like people showing up who were younger than I was who had a fire in their gut that Excellent. I don't have anymore yes and recognizing that and being like oh that flame is extinguishing for me at a, a very quick rate. Yeah, yeah. But I love fanning the flame in someone else. Yeah. And seeing, because that's the other thing. It's also like, I came up and I fought really hard for all the stuff I did and, and it felt so important to me to like push it through. And then I pushed it through 
and I kind of don't have a chip on my shoulder anymore. Oh, no, not at all. And I'm like a 40-year-old white guy who's married to a lady, and I don't know if the world needs me pretending to have a chip on my shoulder in 2020, you oh know? Oh, my God. I'm 50. I'm now uh, a wealthy white lady. Uh, no need. Nobody needs to hear what I have to say. Well, hey, that's let's not hear true s- about you. Well, Because you're, th- you're fighting the good fight on stuff that is helping so many people. I would I'm like, like to- I have said, I am tapping out on the mental health thing. Yeah. So does the world need me telling more jokes about yeah. how how weird it was when I met this park ranger in Hawaii who made fun of me? Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. who needs more of that. No, I I totally relate with that. And the, the great thing is there, I've heard some more different experiences. Like, I would love to hear somebody uh, talk in stand-up about schizophrenia or schiz- you know, different mental health issues that aren't as, that are still very much stigmatized. Um, I can't wait. I'm sure they're out there uh, doing it. And uh, yeah, uh, Lisa Lampanelli became a life coach. Yeah, the queen of mean. Queen of mean. Imagine getting life coached by the the person who is known as the queen of mean. I thought about hiring because I was like. (laughs) That would be amazing. If you hired another comic turned life coach as your life coach. That's brilliant. You can contact her. I could contact her right now on the on the internet. And I I I was a little anxious though, because I know she is um <laughs> the queen. She, she was the queen of mean. So and I know I'm not <laughs> Do you know I'm her? so sensitive. I no, we've met a few you know, a few times just through stand up and um So if the email showed up, she would immediately go, What I, the fuck is going I, on right I now? I think she might she might, but I from her website, because I totally checked it out. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. She's living the dream. She's living the dream Loving of like, it, right? like, because uh, she talks about eating disorders. And um, yeah, I believe, at least from what I read, I believe I read one of her memoirs of how compulsive eating was a part of her story. And so, uh, yeah, now uh, trying to help other people, trying to help other people. And I don't know if uh, being mean is a part of that. I don't, I doubt it. That would seem odd, wouldn't it? I can't it? imagine. Well, that would seem I strange. can't imagine. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> she once, before she quit, I once did a club when I was just starting out doing the clubs. And she saw me and afterwards came up and was like, that was funny, dude, good job. And I don't know why. Some of this, I think, is me needing, like, my ego needing validation from people who aren't like me. But, like, being someone who's all soft and sensitive. Yes, Getting a compliment from the Queen of Mean, I was like, that means a lot to me for some reason. Oh my God, Rich Voss sent me a wonderful, you know, saying that he liked my stuff, and I was like, I thought, I thought it was like um, somebody kidding me, like I, because I was like, yeah. Rich Voss can't like what I do, like he's and a it, nice guy. I don't know. I have, I know, and I've, I've met Rich. I, I don't know why. I just felt scared. But then if I don't, is that because we're like. Are you constantly, I don't know why, well, my insecurities, yes, yes, Well, go. sometimes it can happen, like I was just on um, the Jim and Sam show, Jim Norton. I was um, on it yesterday. Oh my God, yeah. we're doing, we're living parallel lives. You were um, on it t- today? Yeah, uh, not today, uh, two yeah. days ago. And when I'm on dude shows, I get the meanest tweets oh, yeah. afterwards. They, oh my God, yeah, so they, awful. I, I saw all those tweets yesterday <laughs> from me. It's just awful. And I yeah. just go, oh, I just don't want to do it anymore. Like, I don't want to f- yeah. fight, you know, have a bunch of people go, oh, she is crazy. That bitch is insane. Look at how she looks. Look at how old. She looks like an old witch. Uh, I saw one know? yesterday that said, say something funny, cry baby. <laughs> 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 wow. 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 And 
I just go, yeah, I, I don't know. My mom always had this biblical thing, honey, don't, don't put pearls before swine. I, I, I don't like, mean that's. I don't mean that's what's happening on the Jim and Sam show. I just go. Some, I'm not right for some shows, and like, it's okay. Well, that that's another thing with hecklers. Like I, I, because I don't want to put out anger anymore. I yeah. just don't want to put out anger, and it also doesn't really make sense with like who I say I am. You know, so I'm trying to like rewrite like heckle responses of like. You know, just like, yeah, just to have different responses to people yelling out during shows. And I don't know. I'm not really sure what to do about it. I've been doing some mindfulness yes. <laughs> apps. So I'm just like, yes. well, let's have some curiosity about this. I enjoy this a heckler. Moment. Yeah, really? Yeah. Well, because, you know, I, I did improv for oh, 12 fun. years where yeah, six days a week I was either doing a show or teaching a class. Okay. And, and stand-up, I don't get as much opportunity. So for I always felt, I'm not trying to encourage it if you're hearing this, but... I always felt like, especially when I transitioned to stand-up and it was so rocky and so scary and I had established myself with credibility in another world mm. and then I had to go through the process of bombing for years and starting over in stand-up. So when that would come, I'd be like, oh, all these other instincts I have that a lot of other stand-ups haven't trained with Don't in 12 have, years yeah. and I can just talk. And I, I found that I actually really enjoy, I'll really get the crowd on my side because someone will heckle me and I'll immediately be like, yeah, no, you're right. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised you're saying that because I've always kind of thought it about myself too. <laughs> and the crowd will just be like, "We yeah, hate you. Stop being mean." No, no, no. And I'm like, "Yeah, no. That's that's probably only the third worst thought I've had about myself today, sir." <laughs> like, don't smash the echidna. It's endangered. <laughs> you can't hurt me when you can't. Your hate can't hurt me when my brain hates me far more than you do, sir. And the crowd will just be like, "Woof, whoa, hey, oh." Now we all feel uncomfortable. <laughs> This is why you're going to become an art teacher and I'm going to go help coal miners unionize. Yeah! <laughs> Get ready for it. You're going to have some floody art classes. <laughs> All right. I'm Thank you so much. Very late. You're the best. You're the best. Maria Bamford, Chris Gethard, thank you so much for joining us here on the Talk House podcast. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure to check out Chris's other appearances on the podcast, including with Tim Heidecker, Todd Berry, and Mel Blum. There's some great photos from today's recording on our socials at TalkHouse across the board. Some of them were taken by you. Some were taken by me. Yes, and they are all backlit due to me <laughs> putting Chris and Maria under a light thinking that they were shorter than they are. Today's show was recorded at Hilton Garden Inn, NYC, and at Hook and Fade Studios in Brooklyn by our co-producer, Mark Yoshizumi. The TalkHouse podcast theme was composed and performed by The Range. Make sure to subscribe to the TalkHouse podcast for some fantastic upcoming pairings, including on the film side, Kelly Reichardt with Olivier Asayas. Two legends. On the music side, new pornographer A.C. Newman with Post Animal. And authors George Saunders and Dana Spiota, all coming up on the show soon. Are any of those uh, old pornographers? Or? Oh, I think it's time for you to quit comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Till next week, I'm Ellie Einhorn. I'm Nick Dawson. I'm retiring from comedy, apparently. Peace and ailments. Peace.